Are you ready, ladies? Stand tall. Straighten those crowns and show them what you're made of. You're listening to the Farm Queen Podcast. So this week's Farm Queen is Wendy joining us, and she was nominated by last week's Queen Lizzie. She is the person behind Common Thread CSA, um, and I'm going to let her tell you all about it, of course, but we are really interested and eager to hear about why she was nominated, which is definitely because of her focus on sustainability, her use of, I love her phrase, of a just food system. She's got reviewers that say they come from 45 minutes away to get to her stuff. She's been described as very well organized, just makes it look like it is so easy to run a CSA. And so here she is to tell us more about that and about being queen this week. Wendy, welcome. Thank you. Yes, my name is Wendy Burkhart Spiegel. And uh, as you said, the farm is Common Thread CSA. We're in Madison, New York, uh, which is a very small town, uh, kind of between just a bit south of Syracuse and Utica, um, but we're also next to a college town. Uh, Colgate University is right next to us, so we're kind of in a really sweet spot in New York State where we're in beautiful rural New York State, but we're near a college town and near cities. Um so we we love the spot that that we are um, in. Uh, we do primarily vegetable CSA. Uh, my husband and I actually, uh, I think this is our twenty third year doing CSA. Wow, it's our uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's been a while. Um, it's our eleventh year here at Common Thread, Thread, and we were ten years in Poughkeepsie, and we did it for two years in New Hampshire. Uh, so we have kind of learned and grown along with the CSA movement and the organic farming movement, um, and uh, have kind of come up with a way of doing CSA that works well for us and works well for this area. Uh, and works well for, you know, sort of a a slightly bigger slice of the population than the sort of uh, idea of how it was done in the beginning or how people might do it if they're small scale and just beginning with CSA. Um, uh, Oh, yeah. So I said how long we've been farming, uh, which is uh, we've been managing farms for 20, 20. This is the 23rd year. Uh, but we did work on farms before that for about five years, and I kind of grew up on a farm. Uh, my dad was a, a minister and a farmer. Uh, he was a full-time minister when I was until I was 10, and we had sort of a gigantic garden in the backyard and uh, different animals that you could have at a house. And then when I was 10, we moved uh, from Massachusetts to New Hampshire. So I'm not from New York, but I have lived here <laughs> for more than 20 years now. But um, uh, so uh, we moved to New Hampshire to a farm and 
uh, he had a small dairy. So when I was in junior high and high school, I helped my dad out on a 40 cow dairy, uh, which I enjoyed a lot, uh, but never thought I would end up a farmer. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but later on, discovered organic CSA farming. And that was sort of like the niche that got me sort of back into the idea of farming. And uh, I've been, basically never looked back. I've been doing it for all of my adult life, um, along with my partner, Asher. That's quite the uh, starting line to get going for sure. So what does a day in the life look like for you on this on this farm and and can you tell us like how how big it is how many how many acres you're running yeah that kind of thing um, for scale yeah so we are let's see i've got to like add the fields together it's about 17 acres of uh plantable beds plantable uh vegetable beds uh so the piece is bigger that we have about 60 acres but a lot of it is is a uh, wetland uh which is even wetter than it was a few years ago because the beaver have like really moved in there so we've got <laughs> lots of open wetland um on our property um mm -hmm. so about 17 acres and we probably are doing about half of it in cover crop only cover crop each year so um we're doing Maybe, maybe it's a little less than half. We're doing about eight to 10 acres of vegetables um, and then the rest in cover crops each year. Um, yeah, and the, the day, it really depends on the time of year. Uh, with vegetables, there's a lot of seasonality. Um, so right now we're doing a lot of greenhouse work and soil preparation and planting. Um, and sort of just like getting everything ready for the season, um, like getting the barn ready and getting the implements ready. Um, uh, in, in a few months, we'll start harvesting and then we'll have like a real set schedule of like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, harvest, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday distribution and trying to find a time to grow, the, do the, the <laughs> uh, actual growing of the food around those schedules. Um, uh, in the fall, it becomes like heavy on the harvest. And then in the winter, it's mostly office work. We do a little bit of distribution in the winter, um, but I'm pretty much at my computer for all of the winter and and for a few hours a day um, in the summer and probably more than half the time um, in the spring. I, I spend a lot of time at the computer um, just managing the business as well as spending some time outside. I believe it. It definitely sounds like it's an operation that requires a pretty solid uh, office backend of work. Yeah. Yeah. For all farmers that you have, uh, you have a lot of hats you wear and a lot of different, mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of different job uh, titles you could put to your day. Definitely. So why is it that, um, that you and your partner got going into this this farming realm and CSAs specifically? Well, uh, you know, we got into it when we were about 20. Uh, and now I'm in my late 40s. <laughs> so I've been in it for a while. Um, and at that time, 
we were actually really interested, the two of us, in intentional community, in social justice, in environmental health. And we found ourselves going around to sort of different community projects that were kind of working with those things. And they all seem to be associated with an organic garden of some sort. And, uh, and then we were just able to find jobs on organic farms, like they were hiring, whereas it was kind of hard to get hired to work for social justice or environmental right. <laughs> health or, you know, some of these other things. Um, and then we just kind of fell in love with farming. We, we just kind of caught the farming bug and it's kind of all we wanted to do. We worked on farms and we had our own garden on the weekends and we cooked and we when we went off farm, we went to visit other farms and <laughs> read every book. And, you know, we we're just, it was just the most exciting thing to both of us. And it is still exciting to me, although this many years later, I do try to um, uh, have some <laughs> parts of my life that are, are not linked to farming, try to be a more whole person. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Um, I'm, I'm interested in Diving in just a little bit um, to your things like your farm name and you use that phrase intentional community, which I think is great. I know on your website, you talk about like a just food system. And I feel like there's, there's a little bit of a story there behind, like I said, the name of your farm and kind of um, I'll call it some of the features of your farm and your CSA. I'm noticing things like, you know, the sliding scale for your CSA signups and so it feels like you're really on a mission here um, and you guys are a nonprofit, correct? We are not a nonprofit. Oh, okay. We used to work for a nonprofit and we brought oh, okay. a bunch of like sort of aspects of that to our farm now. Um, sort gotcha. of the ones that we could afford to do without <laughs> the financial right. backing of a nonprofit. Uh, okay. But uh, yeah, we are actually a private farm. Okay. Um, yeah, so the name actually, we did not name the farm. We've actually mm -hmm. never started a farm. We've always taken over other people's projects. So <laughs> um we uh we were working for a farm in Poughkeepsie that was a nonprofit um as CSA farmers and also helping run programs and things like that for 10 years before we came to this farm. Um but uh we uh, purchased this farm in 2012, so a little over 10 years ago, and uh, it already had the name Common Thread CSA and the logo, and and we were like, it looks good to us. It's it's, it's uh, um, you know, I think it it gets at uh, what I think a lot of sort of community minded, um, sustainable sustainability minded farms. Are trying to get at is, you know, we have, uh, we have a lot in common. We have common purpose. Um, we want to connect uh, to each other and connect to the land, and uh, you know, it sort of connects to all of those concepts that we're we're not just about farming. We're about um, really building community and 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 helping to foster those connections. Um, and so, yeah, we just kind of lucked out to to already have that name um, from the farm. Um, and then in terms of uh, a lot of the mission and the values of the farm, I think we really um, 
that really solidified in the 10 years before we bought this farm, we worked for a nonprofit in Poughkeepsie and um, we did CSA farming, um, which was very, uh, it was very community minded there. We had a lot of people uh, do, doing working shares and working on the farm with us there. Um, and we did a lot of, uh, we did trained future farmers. We donated a lot of food. We um, did a lot of farm tours. Uh, it, 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 it's pretty extensive what developed there uh, while we were there, but you know, we brought a, some of those pieces we were able to bring with us when we came here and continue them. Um, continuing to have an apprentice program where we train future farmers. Uh, we um, try to make the CSA food as accessible as we can by uh, making uh, a sliding scale, like you said, but also we have a sponsored share program. So when people join the CSA, they can, uh, you know, pay, pay at different at, a, at the low end or the suggested middle part or the top end of the sliding scale. Um, but they also can uh, donate to our sponsored share program. Uh, and we use the money that they donate to subsidize uh, shares for other low-income households. And then people have been so generous in recent years. We've had, you know, on the order of $20,000 in donations for the last few years. And so we've been able to not only subsidize shares for sort of um, most people who ask, you know, who, who ask early enough, you know, before we've allotted all the money that we've also been able to work with nonprofits and um, uh, donated uh, either shares or, uh, well, I guess mostly through the sponsored share program, we're, we're donating shares to nonprofits um, as well. So we're working with, you uh, uh, several organizations that work with refugees. We are working with some um, nutrition education programs. We're working with, uh, let's see, some um, shelters for uh, victims of uh, domestic abuse. Uh, we have a few other, uh, I can't think of all of them off the top, but uh, several nonprofits that we've been able to do weekly CSA shares for. Um, and then in addition to that, we have, so that's all food that's harvested specifically to be sent to those places, but we also have a certain amount of leftover food at the end of CSA, and we donate that to um, two different um, soup kitchen food pantry organizations, um, which is like an additional $14,000 a year is what it's been the last few years of uh, oh, produce. So um, uh it's we're not a nonprofit, but people still will donate uh, when they sign up because, you know, especially people who've been in it for a few years, I think really appreciate the fresh food. And uh, if they have the funds available, then we have had, you know, many, many very generous CSA members who want to help make that accessible to other people. So it's been really amazing how how generous people have been. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you explained all of that because I was going to ask about like the sliding scale. And I think that's an incredible program that it's, you know, like it says on your website of, you know, no questions asked, just let us know if you need a little bit of a discount. And I think that that's a very rare thing to see, um, you know, with a nonprofit, you'd expect it for a, for a 
private for-profit farm, I, I think that's an, a, a tremendous um, feature of your CSA that you offer. Yeah, I would just say the way we have it set up, it's like, I believe it was 15% off, no questions asked. Right. Um, it, but if people right. want a, de a deeper discount, then they do uh, an application uh, where we, you know, sort of ensure that they are, that right. they have need using kind of a, a, the same kind of form questions that we asked at the nonprofit that we worked at in the past, just to make sure that um, that we're giving those like larger subsidies to people who have the need for it. But yeah, so right. we kind of have those two different levels, the sort of self-selected 15% off and then the deeper discount for people who are, who really need additional help. Yeah. And I noticed, um, I noticed it said on there that you do take like the SNAP benefits. We do. Um, is, is that the same kind of realm of like it's it's in the same vein as like those discount you know the deeply discounted CSAs of of um, verifying yeah, it, and supporting supporting the lower income families. Yeah, I would say uh, it has been it's it's very difficult. <laughs> I should say to uh, to get all the infrastructure in place to be able to accept SNAP um, mm. uh, when when you don't have especially when you don't have a, like a standing store with Wi-Fi. Um, right. So <laughs> it's been sort of a journey. I could tell you a long story of the journey, but I won't. Um, uh, but I would just say that, yes, like uh, a farm choosing to uh, offer SNAP as an option is definitely a, a, uh, a choice to try to make it accessible, but it's like definitely a lot of extra work. And um, uh, I know that... Um, there's there's work being done so that um uh snap could be accepted online um and mm. if that can ever happen it could be life-changing for a lot of people and their ability to access um csa and life-changing for csa farms that are are trying to make their food accessible because right now um the government makes it the way that snap works it makes it very very difficult um for uh people to pay for csa shares with snap just because you have to you have to accept it you can't you have to um they have to receive the food within two weeks of uh receiving the vegetables and they also have to swipe their card in person and um so many of our csa members pick it up at a remote drop-off spot um that that just doesn't work for most people Oh, gotcha. So it's just like the location versus the lack of, you said, online access for it. And it's just a logistics kind of thing for them. Yeah, it's a logistics thing. And, you know, it was also, it's just a very bureaucratic process of of getting getting the permission and then getting the equipment and then, you know, figuring out how to logistically do it with all of the, you know, sort of hurdles <laughs> to make it right. work for CSA. Um, so I think, you know, we've done our best, but I think that if there weren't so many hurdles, a lot more people could access CSA with um, EBT. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So tell us a little bit more about, uh, I noticed you have uh, pick your own crops available. And that's, yeah. that's kind of interesting because I've seen, I've seen CSAs that you know, they, they have the box, the traditional CSA format, pick it up. If we have some extra, it might be here at the table kind of thing, but you guys looks like you have pick your own crops very regularly. So how does that, uh, how does that kind of fit in with the, 
CSA box? Is that something that, you know, you only get if you're a CSA member or is that separate? Um, and how does that work for you guys as far as, you know, just managing foot traffic on the farm? Uh, so we found that pick your own is like a real win-win for us and members, uh, in that people like being able to have something that they can come and pick and spend time in the fields. And there are certain crops that we just actually can't really provide for people unless they're pick your own. So we do, uh, cut flowers and cherry tomatoes and beans and peas and, uh, edamame, um, we also do some things like hot peppers and herbs that are kind of, a, um, you could end up picking a lot and then not having them go. So people can just sort of pick the right amounts and they can kind of hold in the field if um, and not have kind of weird amounts of leftovers of those. Right, um, right. So, uh, so we kind of just think of it as an extra, like they pay for their share and the share is sort of we, we value the share so that what they come and pick up either from the farm directly or in the box that we deliver um, is worth the money, even if they didn't do uh, pick your own. And pick your own is just kind of an extra that uh, they can come to the farm. There are things that they can pick. There's like an activity to do at the farm. And there's also like extra food. If they want to take the time to pick beans, they get beans. Um, and it's, uh, you know, some work to maintain those crops, but it would be way more work to pick the crops than it is to um, to grow those crops. Um, so it ends up, yeah, just being a nice way to help people connect and help people um, get out there and pick. And also, like I said, give them access to some of these popular crops that we just don't have the capacity to pick for them. Um, and I guess I would say in terms of the rest of the distribution, it's almost like we have two different CSAs. We have an on-farm CSA where um, that we have two time slots a week where people can come. We lay out probably between 15 and 30 different kinds of vegetables, um, and they uh, have like a certain number of units that they can take. And they just kind of uh, pick and weigh and take what they want from it. Um, so it's a sort of uh, help yourself, uh, choose what you want kind of situation. And that's what we've been doing actually for over 20 years is kind of developing, um, that sort of choose your own style. Uh, but then you can't do that for delivered boxes. Uh, so for many years we were just doing, everybody gets the same big box or everybody gets the same small box at any given day. Uh, and then we had like a little swap box so people could like, if there was like one or two things they really hated in their share, they could swap it out. Uh, but in 2019, we actually went to using this uh, software called Farmigo to do customized boxes. So now people, they get an email like um, a few days before they get their CSA share and... Um, they have about 24 hours to go into this online store and uh, basically customize their box. So they sort of get all the choice that they would get if they came on the farm. And then we, you know, make pick tags and labels and all of that through the Farmigo system. And we're able to, you know, send people customized boxes to, I don't know, we probably have like 15 different sites, you know, going in several different directions from the farm. And that's really, 
um, made a big difference with our uh, retention and how many people want to sign up for the farm because people end up, you know, with food that they can use and that they like. Um, it also allows for things like vacation holds and um, uh, they can buy extra if they want. Um, you know, it just gives them more flexibility to actually get the vegetables they want on the schedule that they want. Um, and it's so it just works for more people. They have less waste um, and they're just generally happier. It is extra work, I should say, but um, it's it's been worth it because we've really just been able to grow the CSA to be just CSA at this point by using that system. Yeah, I was going to say, as you're explaining this, I'm like, number one, this sounds amazing. And I need to find a farm a little closer to me than you are that does that, um, you know, and and share that because that's like super cool to be able to pick your own because I, you know, I don't need to find out how to cook bok choy or something and then figure out that my kids hated or, you know, all those, all those kind of off color veggies that nobody's heard of. Um but it also definitely sounds like it, it's it got to be a lot more complicated in terms of kind of fulfilling those boxes for you. Yeah, it's definitely more work uh, to it, it. It's a lot of like keeping inventory and it's not only inventory of what we have on hand, but it's like you have to look at like a bed of radishes and be like, how many bunches of radishes are in oh that gosh. bed? You know, it's like kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. We, we definitely say, you know, we will do our best to give you what you ordered, but sometimes we don't get everything right. And we, we might sometimes have to substitute, although we've, we've kind of, you know, been able to dial it in pretty well. So we don't have to do that too often. The other part is like the time that it takes to pack the boxes is mm -hmm. uh, much more time consuming to do customized boxes as opposed to just be like, okay, everybody on the line, this is the vegetable you put in the box. Let's zip them down the line. You know, that's pretty fast. But if you have to read a pick tag and make sure that you read it correctly and every tag right. is different, you know, that takes longer. But, you know, basically what we hadn't been able to grow the CSA to the size that we needed to financially um, uh, until a few years ago. And um, so we went to farmer's markets um, and did a little bit of wholesale as well um, to sort of supplement the CSA income. And after doing this system, we've been able to drop all of our farmers markets, which are, you know, fun and nice, but it's also kind of disheartening because a lot of times you'll bring all this food that is perishable that you spent a lot of time harvesting and paying people to harvest, and then you bring half of it home again. And um uh it's you know and and so doing these customized boxes is definitely um you know a, a better thing to do because <laughs> at least we've sold it you know as, as opposed to all of the work that goes into like preparing for a farmer's market and then not even knowing if you'll sell it so if i try to compare it to the other sort of open bin csa that we do um it's it's a lot more work but if you compare it to a farmer's market it's um it's a lot uh, more certain that the work you do will be compensated. Mm, that's a very good point. Focusing on on that certainty of certainty of sale as opposed to hoping for sale. Right. Makes right. Sense. So I did want to ask you a little bit about uh, your growing practices. Since you had mentioned in the beginning, you said, correct me if I'm wrong, you said you had about 17 acres that you 
we're using for the CSA, but you're only growing on like half or less at a time. Um, and you said you cover crop the rest of it. And that seems perhaps somewhat counterproductive to some people because they might think, you know, hey, if you've got all these acres, why aren't you growing more? Why aren't you getting more customers, putting the foods in the hands of more people? And I know you have a reason behind that. So could you explain to folks why it is that you are doing this cover crop system and this rotation and such, um, as opposed to maxing out every inch of what the land could grow? Yeah, I mean, we're lucky that we can cover crop that much. Um, you know, cover crops do so much for the soil. They um, they break up pest and disease cycles. They add organic matter. And if you have legumes, then nitrogen to the soil. They, um, they you know, will uh, prevent erosion and pick up, um, you know, excess nutrients. Um, uh, they really just help in the health of your soil so much. And uh, it's really nice that we have enough land that we're able to put half of it and, and really more than that, because we also do spring and fall cover crops as well on pieces that we do crop in a year. Um, it's nice that we are have enough land to be able to do that. Um, it means that, um, you know, our soil health is better for it. Um, and we also you know, we're just not working the land as hard. We're, we're able to take more pauses where we're just putting back um, uh, into it. We, it also gives us flexibility if there's pieces that got way too weedy or, um, you know, had some different issues um, that we have flexibility about where we plant different things. Um, when you're planting every single inch of the soil, um, you can really just work it too hard. Um, and, and, uh, also, um, you end up having to use pieces that, uh, have really high weed pressure or disease issues or, you know, things that you really, it'd be better to just, you know, put it in cover crop and let it, uh, uh, let the weed issue resolve a little bit, um, through cover crops for a year or two. So, um, yeah, I, I, the, the last farm that we were on, we we struggled to do a fifth of the, the rotation in uh, cover crop because we just didn't have as much land um, there. We were like right um, in the city of Poughkeepsie uh, on this nonprofit farm. And um, we we did our best to do as much cover crops as we could, but um, uh, it, it's really better for the soil and, and for like the efficiency of uh, the work you're doing to sort of choose the best pieces and um, and uh, uh, be putting back into the soil um, more of the time. Yeah, that makes sense. And like we said, as as far as the idea of um, you know maximizing production that isn't necessarily always the best option. And I think that's something that people, people do need the visibility to as far as thinking like, well, you know, if you grew more, you'd have more customers, which means you could, you know, you'd have higher, you know, supply and demand and you could lower prices and it's more affordable. And there's all sorts of arguments people could make for why you should grow more. But it's like, if I'm growing more at the compromise of the soil quality, you know, what happens to my production a few years down the road? And yeah, thank mm -hmm. you for explaining that. Oh yeah. So, so let's shift gears just a little bit because obviously Farm Queen podcast, we have got to know how it felt 
to get the crown that week because you definitely uh you had the first very unique little handoff that as Leslie said you were nowhere to be found <laughs> so <laughs> she had to just kind of door drop your the crown for you but uh how did that feel getting it and um, yeah no it was uh it's just it it you know it rained for three weeks and then this week is sunny so I thought about can I really do this but uh uh you know uh uh, in terms of the handoff, she just left it in my mudroom. Um, but it was so nice of uh, Elizabeth to uh, think of me and think of this farm. Um, so it's definitely an honor. Um, I had noticed a few different farm women uh, have been chosen in this area. So I had heard about it in the previous weeks from Instagrams that I'm on uh, and had listened to a few episodes and I just think that, you know, farm women are some of the most awesome people, um, like how much um, sort of vision and grit and, you know, can do and creativity and um, uh, smarts and muscle. There's just so much to go that goes into it. And I love uh, learning about um, other farmers and farm women and what they um how they think about things like what kinds of choices they make and and uh so it's just an honor to to be among those women um to me and it's great to uh hear these podcasts this, that you're creating uh because I do think uh it's a pretty amazing profession. There's a lot that's hard about it, but there's a lot that's um, really rewarding. And it really, I think, pushes you to be a, a whole person in a lot of ways uh, that uh, make for some really amazing people or draw really amazing people. Well said, well said. It's definitely a... Um... A worthwhile group to get to know for sure to see all these these farm women that are that are pushing ahead and leading and doing the hard work like yourself and the others so mm -hmm. kind of along that that vein as we always ask uh what is it that you have come across as perhaps the most mi common misconception about women in agriculture about women farmers yeah you know i i saw the questions ahead and this one <laughs> this one i had to think about for a bit um I guess I would say, you know, I had a lot more self-consciousness about being a woman farmer, you know, 20, 30 years ago when I first started. And I think the landscape was very different then. Like you'd go to extension meetings and it was mostly old men. There weren't a lot of women around. There certainly weren't a lot of young women around. Um, but that's changed so much um, in the past 30 years. There's so many women farmers now. Um, so, um, it, I, I feel like it is, it doesn't feel as strange. Um, and I think in terms of stereotypes about women versus men, I think, you know, there is a stereotype like about men are good at physical things and, and machines and women are, are good at communication and, and, the, and, and, and I have to say, actually, like our farm doesn't exactly change those um, 
stereotypes, um, which sometimes I've felt bad about in the past. You know, I, I do a lot of the communication and the uh, bookkeeping, and my husband does a lot of the the tillage and the um, fixing the machines. But um, I think that what I've learned, you know, just over doing this for so long, I mean, we've worked with probably at least a hundred employees over the last, you know, so, so many years. And, uh, you know, some women are really great at machines and uh, carpentry and some uh, are not. And, so, and some men are really great at that and some are not. And, you know, it really just comes down to the individual. Um, I, I had like a few years where I was like, I have to be better at had fixing machines. And I said, I'm going to do the farm maintenance this year. And I tried and I hated it. <laughs> I was like <laughs> struggling with these, like, you know, really rusty uh, bolts and things. And I'm like, this is not that much fun. And my husband's like, yeah, it's not that much fun, <laughs> you know, because he's not actually, he doesn't love tinkering with it either. Um, but, you know, it's something that he's taken on because it needs to be done. And the more he does it, the more he knows. And, you know, the same thing for me and like taxes, I do taxes and he has no idea how to do the taxes. And um, it's not that I love it. It's just that I've kind of gotten in there and learned that and figure out what I need to know. And when it comes down to it, like there are so many different things you need to know to run a farm business. Like, unless you're real small scale, like you need multiple people with multiple skill sets doing multiple things. And it's really hard for one person to have every skill you need. So I think that, you know, I've spent a lot of time being like, ah, oh, I should be better at, at tractor uh, fixing. But um, I think that we just need to like appreciate each person and what they're good at and say, you know, every job on the farm is important. And, you know, match people with what they're good at, not according to gender, <laughs> and celebrate all the jobs that everybody does. So that's kind of my my thoughts on that. I think um, I think you kind of went into the next question, too, of what do you think your cus what do you wish your customers would know about the life of a farm woman? Yeah, really so I thought, of, full circle. <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. I thought about that one, too, and I feel like um less than like feeling like my answer to that is like gendered I would say more like I just think that um people tend to think that farming is simple <laughs> and that it doesn't take much to um to farm uh and I don't think they realize always like how many different skills like how much time, how much knowledge, how much investment, how much planning, um, and how much like uncertainty there is to deal with, not knowing every year what's going to happen with weather, what's going to happen with pests, what's going to happen with labor, what's going to happen with markets. Um, it just, it takes so much to run a farm. And yet we're, we're, we're paid like we don't, uh, we're paid like we're not professionals. Uh, and, you know, I, we set our own CSA prices, which helps, which helps definitely. But there's only so much you can charge for a cucumber, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the main thing that I just wish people knew was how hard, 
hard farmers work, how much they know, how much skills and knowledge they have, and that they should be, that food should just cost more uh, so that farmers um, are rewarded for all of that work and skill, just like any other profession. Very well said. Amen to that answer. <laughs> so given that farming is definitely a difficult profession to, to do, and I know I heard you mention in, in one of the answers, just that tiny little, uh, little mention of like, you know, we, we had to work on growing the farm to where the income was, you know, sustaining itself. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of struggle and a lot of concern as far as, especially when you're getting up and going or when you're trying to scale that, you know, you could very quickly and very easily lose a heck of a lot of money on a farm. But given this uphill battle of farming and growing a farm, what is it that keeps you going and inspires you even on your tough days? Yeah, that's also a good question. Yeah, because there are definitely days you're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> but um, I would say like every time I go outside, um, I feel like the land um the connection with the land is so important being able to to know the land that well and to sort of every year you deepen your relationship with the land knowing more about it um and uh and with the plants um you know with whatever it is that you're growing as on your on one's farm but yeah so with me with uh sort of growing that relationship with the plants um so that's one part of it definitely uh People are so appreciative of the food and of the farm. Um, that definitely keeps me going is uh, people come out to the farm and they light up. They're excited. Um, they might try it for the first time and come back and be like, I didn't know beets tasted like that. I've never had beets <laughs> that tasted good before. Like, you know, like the... The things that happen to people when they have fresh food, when they come out to the farm, they experience it, they go out there, they pick, like people get uh, turned on to the beauty and the meaningfulness um, and the tastiness um, and the health of the farm. And and it connects to them in, in just a deeper way. Um, uh, than just going to a grocery store and buying something from far away that you don't know mm -hmm. much about where it came from. I mean, that's important too, but, <laughs> but that uh, be also being able to have like the um, connection to a farm directly um, is really meaningful to people. Um, and I think the, the other thing is also the, uh, the employees that we work with here. We, you know, a lot of people we work with are, um, training to be future farmers uh but not everyone some people they're just sort of want to try it out for a while it kind of interested in that job uh for a while um uh and uh it, just as it it well it i would say the farm work it's not like it it doesn't down to the person <laughs> excite them i think people get out here and either they love it or they hate it most of the time um and for the people who love it, uh, which are the employees that I, I do my best to find and keep here, um, it's it's an amazing work. It's a gift to be able to do this work. Um, 
like I said, to be outside, to be doing something that's meaningful, um, to be growing food that nurtures people, to um, connect with plants and land and be under the sky and on the soil and uh, and and then to be able to eat that food and just have this deeper understanding of all that went into it, um, I think, uh, makes me more appreciative for it. And, and also makes me more appreciative for all the other food that I eat, eat too, like realizing that um, that came from somewhere where lots of people worked really hard and, um, and you know, there was land that supported the growing of that food, um, no matter where it's coming from. Well said, man, very well said. Um, so for those who, those who definitely want to follow you and find your CSA and support it and volunteer or pick their own or whatever they might want to do to come, come get, come get to know you better. Where is the best place for people to follow along with you? Um, so we have a website, it's a uh, common thread CSA.com. And we also have Facebook and Instagram, and there's links to those on the website. I can never remember what our little handle things are. Right. So <laughs> I'm not going to try to remember it at this moment, but um, you you can find it through the website. Yeah. And we'll, we'll link the, um, the Facebook in the description for the podcast episode for anybody listening so that they can go right to social and find you there. Um, yeah, this was, this was great. I learned a lot. Um, did okay. you have, do you have any last inspirational, motivational, encouraging, whatever thing you'd like to say to the to the future firm queens listening? The future firm queen hopefuls, we'll say. Oh man. Well, you know, I training future farmers, you know, sometimes it's like it's exciting, but then you have some trepidation too, because you know how amazing it is and you also know how hard it is. Um, so generally what I say is like, if, if you love this work so much that you can't imagine doing anything else, then, um, you should do it. We need farmers. Uh, we, we need this work to be done in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, it's good work. It's meaningful work. It takes a lot of creativity, um, and communication and, and, um, wearing a lot of different hats, but it is, uh, the most meaningful work I've been able to find. Um, if you don't love it, like if you feel like, oh, there's like another job I would love more, like do that. <laughs> like I, I always say, you know, if, if if you don't if you don't love it amazingly, it's the struggles might be not worth it to you. But um, if it's if it's something that connects to you so deeply, it is the most rewarding job that I could ever imagine. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support our podcast by clicking the link in the description, by subscribing through your favorite podcast app, and by following us on your favorite social media platform. 